Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. A brutal, brutal night of football. Brutally violent, brutally slow, brutally bad offense, brutally mid-quarterbacking, and of course, one of the most brutal injuries you are ever going to see. Virtually everything about last night was unwatchable. Unfortunately, we cannot unwatch or unsee what we did see. I mean, it was horrific to see Nick Chubb go down like that. I mean, even if injuries are a part of the game and these guys know what they sign up for, you don't sign up for that. I mean, that was horrific. Those of you who saw it know how horrifying it was. Those of you who did not see it, consider yourselves lucky. You can just take my word for it. It was devastating. And yes, it was heartbreaking. I mean, such a good dude, such a great player. That was nightmare fuel. Monday Night Football has long been a good thing, right? So a doubleheader on Monday night seemed like that would be a great thing. In fact, when you get right down to it, MNF has been on one for a minute. And not a good one either. Think about the last three regular season Monday night matchups. DeMar Hamlin goes down in Cincinnati to end last season. Then Aaron Rodgers shreds his Achilles. Now Nick Chubb gets his knee exploded. This is all below not good. In fact, last night sucked. Every football fan loses by losing Nick Chubb for the year. No matter what you think of the Browns. Moments like last night, though, are exactly what you expect or when you expect your $230 million guaranteed quarterback to step his game up. This is why they did a deal with the devil. This is why you throw a completely outrageous outlier contract at a guy and a trade package on top of that at that creep. Well, you did it, actually, because you thought that that creep would win you a Super Bowl. You don't give up all that and guarantee all that unless you're playing for a Super Bowl win. But in the very least, the guy's got to step up in a situation like that. That guy's got to gather his team around and say, get the hell on my back. I got this. Then get the hell out of there with a divisional win on a night when your heart and soul goes down. Like, that's non-negotiable. Never mind winning a Super Bowl. Giving up what they gave up to get this guy in money, draft picks, and reputation, he sure as hell better play like that guaranteed $230 million dude that he is. Just winning that game doesn't justify that ridiculous contract. It's mandatory. It's expected. They were expecting a hell of a lot more from him than just winning that game when they gave him that contract, and he still couldn't do it. Because the fact is, the guy really hasn't done a damn thing since getting there, has he? Same as he ever was. Or worse, maybe same as he never was. The soulless ownership may have guaranteed all that jack to that creep, Deshaun Watson. But the heart and soul of that franchise, from the moment he arrived, clearly has been Nick Chubb. Their best player, their best worker, their best dude, their best teammate, the ultimate pro and arguably the best back in the league. And incredibly, despite everything they gave up to get Watson, their integrity included, 
the Browns' best offensive option after their elite star running back went down last night was the backup running back, not the $230 million quarterback. The best thing Watson and the Browns could have done last night was just keep feeding Jerome Ford. In fact, that's why they lost. They stopped feeding Jerome Ford. In the last six minutes of that game, they then put the ball in the hands of their $230 million man, and their $230 million man went three for seven on the final two possessions, and he got sacked twice, and he put up 0.0 points. You know, it's not like that game started any better for Watson. In fact, it started as badly as it could possibly start. Nothing says franchise quarterback like starting a Monday night football game against your rival, the Steelers, with a pick six. Chubb splits out to the top of the screen. Quick throw and picked up. The deflection and intercepted by Highsmith. Touchdown. What a start for the Steelers. Yeah, it didn't start well for Watson, and it did not end well for Watson. It just didn't go well for Watson last night. And honestly, it's getting tougher and tougher by the minute to remember the allegedly great player he used to be. Maybe he never actually was who he was made out to be. Because obviously he's nowhere near that, whatever he was or wasn't. He obviously did something, right, for the Browns to throw the biggest guaranteed contract in the history of the Shield at him. You just would never be able to tell now because right now he's just a guy. Right now he's just a guy. Well, a bad guy, but an average football player. And still not even as good as Jacoby Brissett. I mean, is it too late for the Browns to get Brissett back, by the way? And then on top of all the ugly quarterbacking, Watson took two face mask penalties. Two. He had more face mask penalties than touchdowns last night. And... He got away with shoving a ref. And I know he's used to getting away with stuff, but he didn't have to run the exact same massage parlor playbook on this one and totally lie about it after the fact. I didn't know that. You don't even remember anything? That didn't. Which which part? No, no, the me and the ref was having a conversation. There was no contact with the ref. No, we were having a conversation. The whole thing on the sideline was... And I'm not going to get into it. You know, we spoke about it, man, that coach for the, the Steelers. So we're, we're on good terms. I'm, you know, I'm not going to speak on that. But, yeah, we wasn't – there was no contact with the ref. Yeah, me and him were talking about the stiff form, and he was just getting me on the way, and I was just letting him know what was going on. Yo, Deshaun, there absolutely was contact with the ref. We all saw it, dude. Unlike the massage parlor – the game was on national TV. We all saw you toss that ref. This isn't a legal deposition. You don't have to lie anymore. Well, you shouldn't lie in legal depositions either, allegedly, probably, especially because you truly are a crappy liar. Even Garrett Cole thought you were babbling on in that answer. Um, I don't. I don't know. Enough already about the crappy Browns and their crappy quarterback. Let's move on to the crappy Steelers. Yes, they won the game. No, it was not pretty. And really, Pittsburgh has T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith to thank for that because they don't win that game without those two defensive TDs. They don't even hang in that game without two defensive TDs. 
And I don't think you can count on two defensive TDs every single Sunday. Well, maybe one from T.J. Watt because the guy is that good. In fact, how about T.J. Watt? How about we give this guy some freaking credit? I mean, for real. We all talk a lot about Nick Bosa and Aaron Donald and Chris Jones, and deservedly so. But T.J. Watt should also be brought up in the convo with the best defensive players in the league for a pretty obvious reason. He is absolutely one of the best defensive players in the league. And he reminded us repeatedly last night, including on that deciding play of the game. Watson under center from his own Cleveland 20. Gets the snap. Four-man rush. Second down nine from behind. Ball knocked away. Highsmith It's picked up by Watt from the 15 to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown. Touchdown. Pittsburgh touchdown. Watt on the fumble by Watson. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. On the fumble by Watson. That right there is how you complete a fourth-quarter comeback without any actual offense. And I mean without any actual offense. Actually, that's not even accurate. There was less than no actual offense. There was actually a negative offense. The Steelers ran eight plays for a negative seven yards in the fourth quarter and came back from three points down to win. Can I repeat that? They had minus seven yards total in the fourth quarter. And they were trailing, and they came back to win. The hell is that even possible? How is that possible? So, I'm not looking to do it. I'm not looking to be gratuitous. But do I really have any choice but to hit the tiny hands alarm? I mean, I don't want to. But minus seven yards in the fourth quarter offensively, even if you won, leaves me no choice but to smash the tiny alarms button. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep, all these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Make sure to use the code 50Rome and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Now, I'm not saying it's all on him. It's not all on tiny hands. But you're going to start with the guy under center, right? And then once you do that, go ahead and move to the guy dialing up all the plays for the guys, the guy under center. The guy Steeler fans hate most of all right now is Matt Canada. He is still the OC in Pittsburgh. And nobody should be surprised to find that out because the offense looks exactly the same. Matt 
Nova Scotia's offense. Same as it ever was. Matty Manitoba's offense. Got out game by over 150 total yards last night. And it's not like they were squaring off against Mahomes and Andy Reid either. Yes, Pittsburgh won the game. But no thanks to that offense. They won the game, but no thanks to Matt Saskatchewan. I mean, all the thanks to the defense. And unfortunately, an assist to Nick Chubb's horrific knee injury. Like, that was a war of attrition last night. The Browns lost the battle and the war and their best player and their heart and soul. At least what was left of their soul after they sold it to bring in a mediocre, overpaid quarterback. And now that's who the Browns are stuck with, a mediocre, overpaid quarterback. And it's hard to say that they don't deserve it. Sorry, Cleveland. C-Town, you know how I feel about you. But sorry. Sorry, but not that sorry. You know what I mean? This is what you get when you bring that guy in. And you guarantee him all that money. And you give up all those draft picks. And come to find out, he's not what he used to be. Or maybe he never was. And I'm not going to get into it. But he's got no excuse now. Right? You can say last year, yeah, well, he missed all that time. He missed two years. And then he came in, and he had six games, and there was some rust to knock off, this, that, and the other. Yeah, but what about this year? He had the entire offseason. He had the entire offseason to get right. Does that guy look right to you? And again, I want to be very clear about this. They didn't pay him all that money and sell their soul and give up all those draft picks just to win that game. They gave up all that money and those draft picks and their rep and their integrity to win a Super Bowl. Bare minimum is to win that game last night. And didn't. And now there's no Nick Chubb. Now what? Now they need Watson to be that guy. Does he look like he's that guy? Or could ever be that guy? Or then again, as I mentioned, maybe he never was that guy. Anyway, ugly. Very ugly. And the second game was not much better. We are back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on all the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is so much more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app right now. Sign up with the code Rome R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code Rome R-O-M-E. The crown is yours. You do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS. Licensee Colts running back, Zach Moss. Zach, it's been a minute. What's going on? How you doing? Jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sports. I'm doing well, man. How you doing? Slash Good. Football terms. Good. 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 Thank you so much. In fact, great to see you on the field because Sunday, eligibility and the cost of restrictions do apply. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and the cost of restrictions do apply. 
Stanford back in July. How did it feel to be back on the field and to have such a big game in a winning effort? Yeah, I mean, it felt great just to get back out there with the guys, man. I mean, it was a long uh, training camp for myself, obviously going through that uh, forearm surgery and everything like that, and just getting back out there in a the road game, division game, and getting a win um, versus a team like that, you know, just to get us on the right track, starting off our season with a win. Um, it was big. We're talking to Zach Moss. Zach, not to get too nerdy with it, but pro football focus had you generating three yards per carry after contact. How important was it for you not only to get back out there, but to prove to yourself and maybe others that you could bring that kind of physicality coming back from the injury? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's an injury I had before. So, you know, the, the, the most important thing was that mental hurdle was getting over that. Um, and, you know, just the entire time doing training camp, I was clearing a lot of those hurdles. So the last thing to do was go out there and just play, you know, the style of football that I'm known to play. And, you know, that's being physical, being downhill. Um, so being able to do that and have some success, you know, couldn't do it without the offensive line. And, you know, those guys calling my number over and over. Um, so I'm just happy I was able to go out there and just, uh, you know, come out of that game healthy. You know, I wonder, Zach, when you talk about having to get over that hurdle, there's probably so many different hurdles you have to get over to come back from an injury like that. But does one include, do you need that one good shot? Like when you get on the field, do you need to take that one good shot to know <laughs> I'm good, I'm fine? Yeah, you need to get the ball early. You know, they did a good job of getting me the ball early, just getting me in a rhythm um, and just making me feel good. You know, sometimes if you wait a while, you're just out there just kind of, you know, going through the, the vibe or whatever of the game and you don't get the ball yet. You know, it, it takes a minute, but they got me the ball early, got me in my groove a little early. Um, so, you know, it just felt like I've just been doing what I've been doing uh, my whole life. We're talking to Zach Moss. So, Zach, you had a touchdown Sunday to go along with a pair of scores from your rookie QB, Anthony Richardson. I know his status is unclear because right now he's in the concussion protocol, but what kind of juice and energy has he brought to the offense since he joined the team? Yeah, he's a, he's a big-time player, man. Obviously, uh, what he can do um, in the air, what he can do with his legs, um, he brings a different dynamic to the offense. He makes, you know, obviously my job a lot easier with having to deal with so many people in the box because he's a, always a threat to pull the ball and run. And then, you know, we have all these plays designed for him to also be a threat. Um, you know, he makes the whole entire defense have to defend every side of the field. Um, so having a guy like that, man, and seeing what he's doing and just watching him get better week by week, day by day, um, it's been real fun. Zach Moss joining us. So Richardson's status is uncertain for this week. What did you make of the job that Gardner Minshew did in coming off the bench? And I mean, that guy, that guy's so much fun. He's a different cat. What did you make of the job he did <laughs> and then the way guys react to him specifically? Yeah, Gardner's a totally different guy, man. Um, he's a great dude, uh, consummate pro. Like he what it, like what he did, you know, Sunday coming in and you know, just running the offense is something he's always done, right? He's been a consummate pro his entire career. Um, so it was no shock to any of the guys when he came in and he was out there dealing, uh, making the right reads, bringing the right throws, all that type of stuff, and just putting us in position to win. Um, so, you know, I played against him in college, man. He, threw, he lit us up probably like 500 yards, so I wasn't surprised at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Did he let you hear about it? What do you remember about that day in that game? I mean, it's not a game you prefer to remember, <laughs> But what did he let you hear about yeah. that day? Nah, I mean he's let me. He reminded me, you know, when he first got here back in OTAs, um, you know, and, and I don't forget that game at all because uh, it was a rough game. But you know, he's like I said, he's a consummate pro, man. He's not nothing that he can't do on the field. 
Um, and, you know, it was all about opportunity. He came in, he handled his opportunity the right way. We're talking to Zach Moss. So, Zach, also you've got a first-year head coach in Shane Steichen. I'm curious, when a first-year head coach comes in, how much of that is about having to earn the coach's respect? And then how much of that is about a first-time head coach having to earn the player's respect and get their buy-in? Yeah, it goes hand-in-hand, hand, right? I think, obviously, the coach wants to, you know, know that he can trust these guys that are in the locker room, right? And it's, it's vice versa. We want to know that we can trust our coaches to put us in the right position to win games and, you know, go out there and, and put our best foot forward. Um, and he's come in, man. He's done a great job. His The standard is the standard with him, man. It's, it's not no, you know, cookie cutter. He's not going to beat around the bush with you. He, you know, what he wants is what he wants. And, you know, we love that about him. Uh, you know, we, like to, we love to go to war with that dude. Uh, week in and week out, we're excited to have him here. I'll tell you what, that that's really high praise already a couple of games in to his coaching career that that's a guy you want to go to war with. Another guy who's of high character, I think, is Jonathan Taylor. Love the guy, loved him in college, love him in the pros. He's on the pup list right now with an ankle injury. How would you describe the relationship you have with him? And then when he's healthy, what kind of a one-two punch do you think the two of you will deliver once he is back? Yeah, I mean, when I got here, when I got traded here last year, you know, JT – uh, you know, reached out and, you know, as soon as I got here, he was one of the dudes that, you know, just made sure I was comfortable, made, if I need anything, whatever, and, you know, carrying on that relationship to now, you know, can't wait to get him back on the field, man. Obviously, I think we played maybe two or three games last year. Um, he was dealing with an injury and all that type of stuff, but, you know, excited to get him back. Our offense is going to be even more explosive with him on the field, and, you know, I think me and him can do some special things, so it's super excited to get him back. Yeah, I would love to see you guys together and see what you guys could do on the field together, Zach. And, of course, this is way above your pay grade. But when Nick Chubb goes down the way he did last night, do you personally think the Browns might try to make a deal or make a move for JT? Like you said, way above my pay grade, right? <laughs> I have no idea, man. It's, it's a You never know. This is a business. Um, you know, and we just try to play the game we love and try to be ready to go, you know, wherever that is. Um, so, you know, hopefully JT is a Colt for a while. Obviously, I love playing with him and, you know, we definitely need him. I get that, Zach. Zach Moss joining us as a member of the fraternity, though. Zach, when you see what happened to Nick Chubb, you understand it's part of the game. You know what you signed up for. You know, it's an extremely yeah. violent game. That's such a great player, such a great dude, such a high character guy. You don't want to see it happen to anybody, period. But what are your thoughts when you see what happened to him last night? Yeah, man. I mean, I saw the I saw the replay, and it just sucks to see that happen to a guy like that who's been at the top of his game for so long. Um, and to have something that was similar to what he had back in college, man, that was that was just brutal to watch. Sucks to see any type of injury to any type of player, um, especially to a guy like that uh, who's been just a consummate pro and hasn't really been injured throughout his career in the NFL. Um, so it, it sucked to see a lower extremity injury like that because it looked terrible. Um, so, you know, wishing him a speedy recovery. Exactly. Well said by you. In fact, that did suck. I would normally say that saying something yeah. sucks is not a take, but that did suck. That sucked for everybody. That sucked for that <laughs> team. That sucked for the player. That sucked for the league. Man, that that essentially sucked for humanity, man. That was a terrible thing to see, a hard thing to see. Let me ask you, Zach, it's Tuesday. It's early in the week, but when you think about the Ravens and the, the kind of heat they traditionally bring defensively, what kind of challenge do you think your offense is going to face on Sunday? Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing, you know, 
is going to be picking up the blitz, right? The disguising and how they do it and everything like that, bringing guys from different areas and having different type of body types that can do, you know, a lot on the field for them. Um, you know, so it's going to be a great challenge for us. I think we're going to be up for it definitely going into their house. Um, it's a great test for us. Um, and, you know, it's super excited to go out there and, you know, get back to work with those guys, with our guys. Is that how great? I mean, you touched on this, but leave me with this thought. When you go through what you went through in your rehab, man, not that you didn't have a great perspective already. You and I have talked for years, but how much more does it all mean yeah. to you to go through something like that and then get that opportunity to come back and play once again? It, it means the most, man. You know, this thing can go by real fast. Um, you never know when you play your last snap. You know, never know how things shake out. Like I said, it's a business, so you never know. Um, but to come back out there and have the type of game I had and just to, you know, do what I was able to do um, and help our team to a victory, you know, that gave me a lot of more confidence in my ability um, and going forward. And, you know, that's the only thing I could always ask for, just to be somebody that the guys can, uh, you know, count on. Like I said, that was a big thing for you, not only to come back, but to have that big game that you had, 88 yards, game high, and a touchdown, and to play a prominent role in that big win against the Texans. Zach Moss joining us via Zoom. Zach, appreciate you. Awesome to get caught up. Great to see you back out there doing your thing, and I appreciate the conversation, Zach. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. Like Buffalo, where do I begin? Let me start with this. My love for you. You know I love you. You know I've got major love for my Western New York peeps. The Mafia, Bill's Mafia. There truly is nobody else like you. You are one of a kind. So I say this out of love and respect. The hell is going on in Buffalo right now? Mafia? Yite? Now I know it's only one of you. I'm not saying it's all the Mafia. It's only one of you. But I did ask the question yesterday, and I didn't get a response when I said, what's going on in Buffalo? In fact... Since I asked the question yesterday, I became aware of more crap that went down Sunday. And spoiler alert, the crap that I'm talking about that went down Sunday is literal crap, actual crap. But quickly, here's the thing. For the most part, I'm not even talking about what's happening on the field with you, Buffalo. You got right on Sunday against an undermanned Raiders squad. There are still some questions. Vibes still seem to be a bit off, but you got the dub, and that's the main thing. I get that. But then there were some weird things, like the way you bizarrely did one of your own, Takeo Spikes. You did him dirty, absolutely dirty. You give this dude an invite. 
You ask him to come back. You ask him to hype up the mafia before the game, which he does dutifully, beautifully, did a great job, an extremely proud player. And then what do you do to thank him? What do you do to show your appreciation to Takeo Spikes? You give him the worst seat in the entire house. Seriously. You gave my dude, Takeo, the most obstructed of obstructed views. He got to see maybe a peekaboo sliver of the end zone from his box if he laid out splat on the floor, pressed his face up against the glass, and craned his neck into a 90-degree angle. Maybe then he could see the pylon. So I saw that and I just shook my head. It was clear to me that nobody had a worse day in Buffalo on this Sunday than my guy, Takeo Spikes. That is, until I saw this. The Erie County, New York Sheriff's Office announced yesterday, follow along, that a 29-year-old male was arrested Sunday at the Bills tailgate after falling into a 30-foot pit at the construction site for the new Bill Stadium. So you might be thinking, big deal, Rome. Big deal. Drunk fan gets too drunk before the game and falls into a deep hole. Big deal. There are thousands of drunk fans in every corner of every stadium, and probably a lot of them do fall into big holes. You're right. You're right. But there's more. Let me finish. According to the Buffalo News, this dude... Covered himself in crap, actual, literal crap from inside a porta potty. He walked inside the porta potty and reportedly dumped everything that was inside of it onto himself. My man lathered himself from head to toe with the finest feces that the mafia had to offer. Butt-ass naked. Stripped butt-ass naked. Bathed and luxuriated in the feces. And then made a run for the pit. All the while trying to avoid the police. I mean, dang, Mafia. I know how you get down. But did you get down like this? One guy did. And wait, there's more. (laughs) This should come as no surprise whatsoever. If a dude is swan diving into porta potties, he must have been on something, right? Well, apparently, this dude was not just on something, he was on everything. Apparently, he was on LSD, marijuana, and cocaine. Is that all? Are we sure there wasn't anything more? No dust, no PCP. Didn't want to ride the horse. Ketamine didn't want a piece of this dude. I mean, I can't get enough of this story. I can't get enough of this dude. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier, which in the end led me back to my original question. The hell is going on in Buffalo? Mafia? Yite? I know, I know. Mafia haters. I know. What, Rome? SOP. Standard operating procedure for the mafia. Haven't you seen their act? What member of the Mafia, Rome, has not done this at least once in their life? In fact, it's like an initiation process, Rome. You can't be Mafia until you take that swan dive into the porta potty streak, trip on every drug under the sun, and try to evade the cops. 
Come on, Rome. This is like Wednesday for Rick and Buffalo. What member of the mafia hasn't done this, Rome? Look, my response to that is the mafia is different, but not that different. I'm going to say the majority of the Bills mafia doesn't and hasn't ever gotten down like this and never will. In fact, as wild as they are, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this dude is the only dude who ever pulled something like this off. The worst member of the Bills Mafia on their worst day never equaled this cat's act. This was a dude covered in crap and God knows what else. Tripping major sack on every drug under the sun and falling into a huge ditch while avoiding the cops, dripping in crap, and tripping on every drug imaginable. Like I said, I thought Tequila had a bad day. Again, the hell is going on in Buffalo? Mafia, get up in here and let me know what's up. If you need a little more color, Sheriff John Garcia of the Erie County Sheriff's Office had this to say about the incident. You're taking LSD and cocaine and marijuana. You're going to not read the signs. You're not going to read any. You wouldn't be in a porta potty jumping inside it, covering yourself with human excrement. You wouldn't be doing that. This is a very isolated issue. It was probably... You know, in, in our opinion, the best behaved crowd that we've seen since our administration. Like the sheriff said, best behaved crowd since their administration. Everybody had a good time. The Bills won. Everybody celebrated. Bills fan enjoyed themselves responsibly. Everyone except for the one guy who got blasted with LSD, cocaine, marijuana, jumped into a porta potty and covered himself in human excrement. Then stripped naked, got chased by the cops, hopped a 10-foot fence, and then fell, this is for you clones, baby Jessica style, down a hole 30 feet below ground level. And called it a day. Everybody had a nice time, except for that guy. Model citizens all around, except for that guy. Now, you know they say that you get all your crazy stuff out of your system before you turn 30. I don't know this guy's name. So I'm just going to call him Bill. Bill's probably a tremendous hang. Extremely entertaining to everybody, but only in small dosages. Not very reliable, probably never the designated driver. Bill's friends were probably like, hey man, where is he now? Where's Bill? Anybody seen Bill? The game is about to start. I'm like, eh, Bill's just doing Bill, Bill things. Bill is fine. Bill's got his own ticket. Don't worry about Bill. Bill will be just fine. Let's go. Meantime, Bill is sitting in that ditch. Even in that ditch, he probably still had a better view than Tequila had of the game. From the bottom of that ditch. Anyway, I'll tell you what Bill's got. Bill's got a great story to tell his future college-age kids when they ask him, Hey, Pop, what's your biggest regret? What is your biggest regret, Pop? I bet you did some crazy things when you were young and you remember the mafia. Well, son, funny you ask. Back in the Bill's home opener in 2023, 
Man, if I had only dropped L and just stopped right there. If I had only dropped L and stopped right there, I would not have gotten arrested for trespassing after falling in a hole while naked and covered in human excrement. Hey, son, you want to talk about being blasted. You want to talk about being bleep canned. You want to talk about being covered in excrement, son. Covering yourself with human excrement. Man. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kids' relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. We are joined right now by Dr. David Chow. Doc, I know you're busy. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing great. And thanks for having me on, Jim. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, Doc. Good to have you back. Thanks so much. So you and the guys were all over it last night in real time online. Running back Nick Chubb carted off last night with that brutal left knee injury. It's the same knee, Doc, that he had surgically repaired when he was in college at Georgia. What is his outlook to you? What is the prognosis in your estimation? Look, he made a great recovery from his knee dislocation in Georgia, multi-ligament knee dislocation. This is a second knee dislocation. Some of the same ligaments are torn. It's not quite exactly the same as the one in Georgia, but, you know, not good. Thankfully, the artery and nerve seem to be okay from his hospital check, but this is a knee dislocation. If you're, you want to look at the video, I mean, it is relatively gruesome. It's online and everywhere and on the Twitter, my Twitter, et cetera, and at SICscore.com. But this is going to be a high hill for him to climb. I hope he makes a full and complete recovery. But there are career implications here because this would be unprecedented, not impossible, but unprecedented for a running back at the NFL level to recover from two knee dislocations in the same knee. So, Doc, bottom line, is this? did it seem to you at that time, or does it seem to you right now, does it feel like a career-ending injury? You know, look, I never want to doubt pro athletes at the highest level like Nick Chubb, and I want to leave the opportunity open. But knee dislocations, even one is career-threatening. Now, a second one on the same knee that was doing very well, certainly it has to be in the career-threatening category. I don't want to put dirt on his grave here and say his career is over, but like I said, it would be unprecedented if he could return to the same level that he was and that would be a shame, and I hope he beats the odds. I agree with you. Dr. David Chow joining us. What about Minka Fitzpatrick, the one who delivered the hit? He also left the game. In fact, he was also hospitalized. What's his status? Uh, he was discharged. Thankfully, I think it seems to have been precautionary. Ironically, they both went to the hospital, right? Nick Chubb went to the hospital to get his artery checked, and he was discharged and went home back to Cleveland. And Minka Fitzpatrick went to the hospital to check out his chest make sure there was no collapsed lung and no, make sure there was no bleeding or significant contusion. He's been discharged as well. A brutal hit, brutal play. Uh, and thankfully both, you know, are out of the hospital. 
We're talking to the pro football docs, so let me move on. What about the Giants? They've got a short week, and they play the Niners on Thursday. We already know that Saquon Barkley suffered a low ankle sprain. Hey, Doc, what's the difference between a low ankle sprain and that dreaded high ankle sprain, and how many weeks might he miss? Well, thanks for bringing it up. The Giants have not officially said low ankle sprain. Hmm. They use the words ordinary ankle sprain. At Sports Injury Central, as you know, we do injury analysis as opposed to injury reporting. And by video, it's very clear to us it is indeed a high ankle sprain. In 2019, I think Saquon had a right high ankle sprain and missed three weeks. That's about what we think he's going to miss, not only this Thursday, but next week for sure as well. And by video, we're not looking at MRIs, et cetera. And quite honestly, for a standard low ankle sprain, you don't even need an MRI. We still believe it's a high ankle sprain, but that's based on our injury analysis, not reporting of what the team said. All right, so this is the type of information you get at SICscore.com. The pro football doc is joining us. Doc, what about Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow? So he re-aggravates that calf injury that forced him to miss the majority of training camp. What's the treatment regimen for an injury like that? And then do you expect it to be chronic and to affect him the rest of the year? When he heard it on July 27th during training camp, we said he's going to be ready to go week one, but there's a high chance of aggravation and for it to linger. Now in week two, it has been aggravated. Here's the dilemma for the Bengals. Not only are they 0-2, they have a different new backup this year. And do you rest Joe Burrow this week? That potentially is on the table. The problem with it is, even if you rest Joe Burrow this week, it's not something that miraculously will be 100% week four. We've said at Sports Injury Central, this is going to bother him into October. Can the Bengals really afford to rest him multiple weeks? Or do they try and rest him one week and get him somewhat better? Or do they try some sort of ankle foot or AFO, ankle foot orthrosis, dynamic active to try and help save the calf yes he's less mobile but you kind of want joe burrow in the pocket anyways so quite the dilemma for bengal's team right now this week as they try and make this decision on joe burrow and what to do with him no doubt what about the jets it's been eight days doc since aaron Rodgers went down with that achilles injury first of all what can you tell us about the surgery that he underwent that's been described as an innovative procedure designed to accelerate the normal rehab process Well, look, I'm fine with the word innovative, but it certainly isn't new. That procedure has been around for well over a decade. I've been done it for a long time. It can help with early strength. It doesn't speed up biology. Look, is there a snowball's chance that Aaron Rodgers can play this year at five months? Yes, he's 40. Cam Akers did it at the age of 23, but Cam Akers was six months and he's a he was a running back here is a quarterback so it makes it easier but it's still a snowball's chance because if zach wilson first of all the jets got to make the playoffs second of all if zach wilson leads them there how do you pull him to put in aaron Rodgers, who may not be 100 percent? it's a snowball's chance to play this year but if he does it's not anything directly to do with anything special with the surgery in my opinion it's just a matter of rehab and playing somewhat limited all right so i'm jumping around here pro football doc joining us what about anthony richardson he was placed in concussion protocol on sunday after self-reporting doc's symptoms of a head injury i'm curious in your opinion how much of a role did the artificial turf play in that concussion 
Well, the artificial turf, in my opinion, played a bigger role in Anthony Richardson's concussion than it did in Aaron Rodgers' Achilles tear. I think Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles on grass, too, because Leonard Floyd is on his back and the previous calf issues, et cetera. I don't know for sure if on grass he doesn't have a concussion or does have a concussion, Anthony Richardson, but artificial grass or turf is certainly a firmer surface than, than grass. So I think it played a potentially bigger role. But the thing to watch out for here for your fans and so forth, Colts play the Ravens. I think it's highly unlikely that Anthony Richardson plays this week. No two concussions are the same. They are like snowflakes. You never know the pattern of what it is. But Anthony Richardson self-reported his concussion, good on him, after playing two series, 33 elapsed plays before he came out of the game. That is the definition of delayed onset or prolonged symptoms. And when you have that, what normally is a 50-50 chance to return the next week for a very simple, quickly resolving concussion extends. And this is why I think at this point, Things could change in terms of trajectory. It's very unlikely that Anthony Richardson gets cleared. And of course, you know, he's a young budding star and no one wants the Tua situation from last season again. Mm. Interesting information. Doc, before you go, a couple of more things quickly. Normally, I would not ask you about a college player, but because Colorado is the most compelling story in the sport, I want to get your thoughts on Travis Hunter. The Buffalo's two-way star was taken to a hospital after taking that shot to the midsection. Reports suggest that he suffered a lacerated liver. If that's the case, what's his potential timetable for recovery? Yeah, that hit where it was, it was right over his liver. That's why we tweeted and said, you know, hopefully no internal organ damage like lacerated liver. The good news is he's already been discharged. The good news is no surgery. The good news is he will play again this year in probably three or four weeks. His season is not over. He's a very dynamic player. He, the good news is no long-term ramifications other than, you know, losing his chance at the Heisman perhaps. But uh, it could have been worse but it will heal without surgery and he will get back to 100%. So disappointing as it is, it's not the worst outcome in the world. All right, so a ton of information, Doc. A ton of information, and there's a lot more on the site and a lot of data to help people get an edge in just about any sport if they want to gamble or if they just want to educate themselves. Where do our listeners go to get it? And on top of that, I want to say, I know my dude, Craig Dato. I know Dato is running some <laughs> awesome promotion right about now. What have you guys got going this week? Uh, you know, Dato's awesome, and a marketing guy is a marketing guy. We got great information for fantasy players, DFS players, gamblers, SICscore.com. But Craig's got this promotion where every week – NFL Pick'em, free $1,000, no cost to enter. Winner gets it all. First week, it was Justin W. in New Mexico. This week, they're tallying up the results. Guaranteed $1,000 payout for all of your Jim Rome listeners. Uh, free entry, and uh, go check it out at SICscore.com. SICscore.com. He is the pro football doc, Dr. David Chow. Doc, great job. Thank you very much. You made it better. Good to have you on the show. Thank you. This might be the least surprising, most obvious development possible in the NFL thus far. But, wait for it, shocker, already friction brewing in Denver. Who saw that coming? Friction brewing between the guy that the Broncos handed the reins to last season and the guy they handed the reins to this season. Tension and friction between Sean Payton and Russett Wilson. 
Yeah, I know. Not exactly shocking. But I will say this. I did expect them to make it more than two weeks before things started to derail. Before things started getting really awkward. But here we are. Here the bleep we are after an 0-2 start. And not just an 0-2 start, but an 0-2 start in a really rough come-from-ahead loss at home to the Commanders this week. Was there really any chance that Sean Payton wasn't going to say something after that happened? For being real, we were probably already at awkward the moment Sean Payton rolled in and ripped Russett's personal training staff from him and his office on the second floor. Pretty much, we were at awkward right then. Awkward. They had me at awkward. We were destined for exactly this conflict the second Sean Payton took that job, obviously. You know, all that talk about if anybody can fix Russett, it's Sean Payton. Maybe Sean Payton even thought for a moment that he could fix Russett. Maybe. But inevitably, weren't we going to get here? I didn't think this soon, but inevitably? I didn't think that the Broncos' offense was that horrible or even the problem on Sunday. But that's where the focus and the talk and the criticism have come so far this week. Probably because of what Sean Payton said after the game. And probably because of how his quarterback responded. Which was essentially by saying the exact opposite thing. This is Sean Payton. And of course he's going to be pissed. And of course he's going to be frustrated. Again, they came from ahead to lose to the commanders at home. This is what Sean Payton had to say about the offense and their so-called pre-snap efficiency against the commanders. Just one drive. There was a number of drives, you know, where we're late with personnel, getting out of the huddle. We took a while. I mean, that's got to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half, and I'm not used to doing. we got to be better, and uh, I've got to be better. Russ has got to be sharper with, with getting it, getting the play out, and then we got to look at how much we have in. But... Um, you know, if we need to wristband it, we will. Oh! oh. You catch that at the very end? I mean, why not just shame the guy? Why not just embarrass the guy? I mean, notice that's not Sean Payton saying, it's all on me, it's all on me. I'm the man. I'm the man. The buck stops here. Uh, I'm the guy they brought in. It's all on me. I'm going to get this fixed. That should have never happened. I'm going to own that completely. I'm going to get this fixed, and that's not going to happen again. You got a problem with it? You got a problem with me. I'm the reason. It's not what he said at all. He blamed everybody, and he mentioned himself and Russ. He name-checked Russ. He mentioned Russ. And not only did he mention Russ, at the very end of it, he tagged it with, if we need to wristband it, we will. You know, if we need to wristband it, we will. Just stuck the knife in. And twisted it. If we need to wristband our alleged or formerly lock for a Hall of Famer, we will. If we need to wristband, that's it, not we Baker will. Mayfield getting off the plane midweek and showing up at the Rams, and Sean McVay hitting him with a wristband, or that's not some rookie quarterback just in learning the system. That's Russet. That's Russet Wilson. Wristband smack is not going to go over well with him, especially publicly. If you know anything about Russet, you know how strong those last words were. You know those were basically a reason to go for Russet. 
I'll get into more of that in a second. But first, this is Russ's response to Sean Payton. Clearly, he does not agree with his coach. Sean talked about you guys being a little slow getting in in and out of the huddle or getting the play call right or quickly, and then McGlinchey kind of said the same thing. So how do you fix that? Yeah, I thought we've, I thought we've done a really good job getting in and out of the huddles. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> Sean doesn't. Like two or three, you know, plays where we could have been a little bit faster on the first half. We, you know, we called timeout on one of them, but, you know, I, you know, we got to be cleaner. We'll be cleaner next time. So just to recap, well, first of all, I want to replay that one more time. Check that one tell early in the response that, that Trapper esque RIP, brother, my man. Shout out to Trapper. That Trapper-esque throat clear. If that's not a tell, how about, how about Russ? Listen and wait for it. Listen to this. Yeah, I thought we've, I thought we've done a really good job getting in and out of the huddles. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> I thought we had <clears throat> two or three you know, plays where yeah. we could have been a little bit faster on the first half. We... Sean Payton's like, you know what? We got to do a much better job of getting in and out of the huddles. We have to. Russ's response was, you know what? I think we've done a really good job of getting in and out of the huddles. You know, um, I thought we had, like. There's a tell. So anyway, just to recap, Sean said the team did a really poor job of getting in and out of the huddles. Russett said the team did a really nice job of getting in and out of the huddles. Sean suggested they might have to wristband it. Russett didn't say this, but you know what he wanted to say. The hell we will, Shawnee. <clears throat> Remember, Russett's not about that life. He's not about a wristband. At least he's refused to be about that life in the past. It's a hang-up he has. Remember? I can tell you why it's a hang-up. Well, actually, I can't tell you why. I got a feeling I know why. It's not the best look, right? Especially for a guy like that who wants to be in control. But we learned this last season. We learned this through Russett's public spat with his old coach on this very topic. So you know Sean Payton's aware of that. You know that Payton knows that Russett and the speed-talking gum assassin got into it over that. Remember last year when that speed-talking gum murderer threw shade at Russett over the wristband thing while praising Gino? Remember this? If you notice, Gino's going off the off the wristband, you know, and that's that's a big help. It's 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 smoothed things out, sped things up, um, cleaned things up, and and that's that's part of it too. And and you know, we we never did that before. Um, there was resistance to that, so we didn't do that before. He wasn't giving Gino credit for that. That was an obvious shot at Russet. A straight shot from the gum assassin to his former QB. He just dunked on him. We never had that before. He's like, it's clean. It's effective. It's working well. We've never had that before. That shot was so obvious that, of course, the media ran those comments right back to Cringerous. And, of course, Captain Cringe had a cringe response, all loaded up and ready to go. Again, this was Russ in response to the speed talker last season. But about putting a wristband, putting a play calls on a wristband? Uh, I don't know exactly what he said, but I think, you know, won a lot of games there without one on the wrist. I didn't know uh, winning or losing mattered if you wore a wristband or not. I don't even really know what the hell Russ it was trying to say right there. 
My point is just that he's got a thing about wristbands. Like it's a personal thing. Like it's a bad look. Like, like quote, you know who the hell I am? Like imagine trying to roll up on this guy. Hey, hey, Russ, we need you to put on a wristband. You know who the hell I am? It's just something he won't do. If we need to wristband it, we will. Which is why anyone who knows Russet had their radar going off when Sean Payton said the word wristband and said it aggressively. If we have to wristband it, we will. If we need to wristband it, Like a parent admonishing a child. Like a parent admonishing a teenager. Like, hey man, if I got to rip your video game, I will. If I have to rip your car, I will. If I have to ground you, I will. If I have to wristband it, I will. If we need to wristband it, we will. Good night now!